Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number Do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 3, School Hard, and Episode 4, Inca Mummy Girl. Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 3, School Hard, written by David Greenwald and Joss Whedon, directed by David T. Kretschmer, original air date, September 29th, 1997. Welcome back to the Whedonverse Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, The Clairvoyant, and I'm joined with Mr. Universe. The other, the other one of the hosts. So we're doing School Hard, School Hard this week. Yeah, uh, which is... I read it was a play on Die Hard, which kind of makes sense because there's some scenes that kind of parody Die Hard, but yeah. but I that's it's, not what I got from the title. No, it always sounded caveman esque to me, like school hard. Yeah, but and when you like, say it like that, it kind of does sound like Die Hard, like school hard in theaters now. But it's it just it doesn't sound like a a verb. It's not. It's not a verb. It's a noun. It's a definite noun. But schooling is a thing you can, like, you know... I think that's a slang verb. I don't think that counts. I think it's an actual verb. But this is an an unused one. And so this, I don't know. I would have titled this episode something different, personally. Yeah. So it gets one stake from me. (laughs) (laughs) So our episode starts with with Snidey, with Principal Snyder, uh, asking... Who the most troublesome student is? Uh, he, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a, he's not just a principal; he's judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, that's how he literally starts the episode. He says, "Most people want the prince or say principal is your pal. I don't want to be your pal. I want to be your judge, jury, and executioner." Which is dumb. okay, Snyder. It very and much sums him up. He's asking uh, this girl, who we will later come to know is Sheila Martini. Uh, <laughs> what a name! <laughs> Sounds like a character that Danny DeVito would play in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Maybe it's his daughter. He played Martini. In yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's talking to Sheila, and then we quickly click, click, learn he's also talking to Buffy. Uh, asking them, you know, who do you think is the worst of the two? Sure, Sheila attacked the horticulture teacher with a... Uh, it was pruning shears. He says a trowel, and she cracks the pruning shears, which is a lot more violent. Yeah, pruning shears, 
you you stab someone with pruning shears, it's not gonna feel very good. A trowel, you can't really stab someone. You can blunt object them, but pruning can, shears, no. And he says, but then again, Buffy burned down a school building, and okay, Buffy hasn't really done anything wrong since she ended up in Sunnydale. No, so well, why is she she burned down the school building? Yeah, but not in Sunnydale. She just did. She did last episode. Did she? The lab that they were using in Some Assembly Required was an old school building. Oh, that's right. That is right, yeah. I didn't think of that. She just burned it down. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he assigns Buffy and Sheila to prepare the school lounge for a parent-teacher night that will be this Thursday. And basically says, yeah, whoever does the better job isn't going to get expelled. Yeah. Buffy, it's funny because when Buffy gets, or she says, hey, 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 you don't know it was me that burned down the building. Could have been mice. Mice that were smoking. Yeah. Well, she says it was actually the fire marshal that suggested it was mice. And then he's like, mice? And she's like, yeah, mice that are smoking. So Buffy and Sheely. Well, bad nickname. Uh, Not even shorter than the actual name. Sheel. Agents of Sheila leave the uh, principal's office, which Buffy's trying to talk about how they're going to prepare. And Buffy seems so down, like, in comparison. She seems so, like, yeah, let's do this. I do not want to get expelled. And Sheila doesn't care at all. She hails some guy named Meat Pie. Uh. <laughs> and then Xander and Willow show up, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, that's the guy she's allowed to bring home to her parents. Yeah. So let's do an outfit rundown. <laughs> Because this is one of those not-as-rare-as-I'd-like instances where all the main characters are on screen at the same time and all have bad outfits. So, Xander's got a big blue and white Hawaiian shirt with a... It's like like a tote bag, but he's wearing it on the front like a fanny pack, like a really oversized satchel fanny pack. And Willow has black overalls over over top of like a children's like Sesame Street-looking t-shirt. <laughs> And Buffy's got, like, this sequiny, sparkly purple thing, which wouldn't be so bad except for the fact that she's very clearly wearing no bra, so it's really just weird. Oh. And so that's... There's your 90s fashion report from Mr. Universe. Yeah. Fashion checklist. Do's and don'ts. So, yeah, they also say uh, Willow reveals that she was Sheila's lookout once while she was smoking, and Xander comments that she's bad to the bone. She's a rebel. And that was in the fifth grade, by the way. Yeah, so that's Rebellious Willow. <laughs> rebellious Sheila. <laughs> and so uh, Xander jinxes <laughs> Willow and Buffy. <laughs> he says nothing bad will happen, and then they both get super upset, way too upset, surprisingly yeah, heated. Yeah, they're like, don't you know that means something's going to happen? What are you thinking, if you're thinking at all? <laughs> And, you know, I feel you, Xander. I've been there. You know, it's weird because sometimes you, when you're a Xander-esque guy, you start making jokes and people get legitimately offended. And you're like, wait, that one, that one wasn't a bad, that was one of the milder jokes. Yeah. And so Buffy and Willow storm off and Xander's like, what did I just do? He's like, maybe this time it'll be different. He's like hugging his bag. But <laughs> one comment that Buffy made during that scene with Meat Pie and Sheila, she's pretty upset at Sheila because... Or she's annoyed, rather, because that's how Buffy thinks her mom views her. Like that, when she's not. Yeah. 
So, and she's like, she's a bad girl because it's her duty to. She has to kill vampires and stuff, but what's Sheila's excuse? Yeah. And then we get this cool scene of a, just a car pulling up to rock music. A pair of Doc Martens come out. Trench coat. Trench coat. Pads up. We got this uh, bleached blonde, slick back hair vampire. Looking like Billy Idol. Smoking. Uh, Which, says, let's, let's talk about that because it makes me so mad. Why, how can he smoke? Oh, yeah. He's um, got a vamp face. We can see that he's a vampire. How can he smoke? Because Angel, a mere three episodes ago, couldn't save Buffy's life because he couldn't breathe. I think Angel was just lazy and didn't want to do it. He's like, I could save her life, but there's not even a bad excuse. Can't even make it into a good joke. Because I'm just so upset that this vampire that we don't know yet is smoking. But what an iconic and cool entrance, though. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's a, it's a really cool entrance for just a vampire. So you obviously already, this is more than just any old vampire. Yeah, you get the feeling that this isn't just, you know, one of uh, just, the anointed one's minions. This isn't just abs. Speaking of, after our theme song... Wait, he also, when he crashes in, he's like, home sweet home, which is radical. So speaking of one of the anointed one's minions, after the theme song, we got two... <laughs> The anointed one, our favorite. Oh, good. Brit is here. Yeah, vamps are strategizing with him in their presence. He's sitting down like a... You know the feeling I get? I just thought of it just now, but given the fact that he sits down this entire season, which is because Andrew J. Fertzland, who played him, grew a lot in between the seasons, so they had to make him sit down so nobody would notice. Um it, just seeing him sit all the time makes me feel like he's like Kermit the Frog or like a Muppet of some sort. And <laughs> you always see him sitting because there's somebody controlling him. I I think of him as more of like a like a Sailor Moon villain. You know, those ones that just sit there and they observe in their crystal ball like, yes, good. And then they send other people out to do their bidding. And like the master was there because he had to be. But we've seen this kid walk the earth. He just does it. <laughs> yeah, he's a lazy little sh- <laughs> and so they're talking about how the night of St. Vigis is, is nigh and they need a new master and uh, it's it's boring. It's everything I hate about season one rolled yeah. into... I was like, man, drop this cult stuff. <laughs> it's so past done. It's just... Uh. And the one vampire claims that he was here at the crucifixion. He's like, he's, I'm going to kill Buffy faster than the crucifixion or whatever. I was here when it happened. And then the punk vampire just shows up, derails the scene, and just steals steals it. Yeah. He's like, if ever, by the way, he has a pretty bad British accent. Yeah, if we're being real it. here, this is a fan favorite character. A lot of people love him. His accent, and I'm sorry, I'm going to shatter everyone's world here. For if you know actual Brits, his accent is not good at all. It's not even close to being a good English accent. It's and one it, of the worst. Not okay. I wouldn't go that far, but. It's, as far as Americans doing English accents, it's very spotty. It's, you know, you buy it because you're probably an American listening to this podcast. But I was just going to say it's mild and inconsistent. <laughs> it's not very good. There's and, other characters that show up in the future that have British accents that aren't actually English. They are much better. This is, as, as far as this show goes, one of the worst ones. Sorry to break it to you, everybody. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter because... You know, he's, he's just such a cool guy, and the voice is part of that, too. It fits so well. It does. I really get a Sid Vicious vibe. I think that's what the voice is almost modeled after. 
Yeah, and so he shows up and he says, you know, hey, if every vampire says he was at the crucifixion, was there, it'd be like Woodstock. And then he says he was at Woodstock. <laughs> Fed uh, off a flower person, spent six hours watching his hand move. <laughs> I love just, his attitude. He's so fun. He just instantly brightens up this awful scene. Yep, but uh, yeah, a vampire runs at him. He knocks him out cold without even looking. Just boom. And then introduces himself as Spike. So, yeah, we know his name now, Spike. And now, now that we know him, let's talk a bit about uh, James Marster, the guy who plays him, because this is our first uh, little taste of him, first taste of Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy Marst. So, he's, uh, I don't know, he was probably one of the older people at the time of the season. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he was already... 30 or so. 30. Yeah, in his 30s somewhere. Yeah. Um, he is probably best known for this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, at least up until this point. But after this, he did a couple. You know, had a couple arcs on a couple things. Nothing is as well known as Spike on Buffy. And then he went on to do. Uh, you know, he was on P.S. I Love You. He's on <laughs> Dragon Ball Evolution. No, no, don't even talk about it. Let's stop talking about what else he's in. Because I'm getting mad now. <laughs> <laughs> He was so bad in that movie. The whole movie was bad. And but <laughs> anyway, we got James Marshall's here, and Spike starts revealing to the anointed one what makes him such a threatening villain uh, is that he's killed Slayers. And that's when he says, you know, I don't like to brag, but who am I kidding? I love to brag. And uh, and there's really a, a cool contrast between him and the anointed one and his old crew. So why don't we talk about that? It's so different. He's because just... it's almost like, yeah, it's like taking this prophecy, this prophetic, culty, you know, by the book, and then throwing it out the window. The other side, we've got this punk rock, like, I do my own thing, my own rules. Yeah, he comes in like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, basically. So it's like pretty much saying, I see you season one, I acknowledge you, but we're not doing that again. Which makes me so happy. <laughs> Yeah, then a female vampire comes out. Drusilla. Yeah, the Spike they, calls her. And uh they're basically like immediately you get the like Sid and Nancy of Buffy. Like these are Yeah. That's the vibe you get. And she is crazy. Yeah, she's played by a very wonderful Juliet Landau. Yeah, who you'll catch coming up in Muscle the Musical. She's also in Bioshock. Uh, she has a lot of voices. She has a lot of live action she's too, a, but nothing's really coming to mind. She's a cult, cult actress though, and she was Martin Landau's daughter. Yeah, but she's quite much older than James Marsh's, I think. Here, I think they're about the same age. We're gonna look this up. I'm gonna look them both up. So at the time of this episode, James Marsh's was actually about 35 years old, and Juliet Landau's actually about 33. Oh, so she's younger. She's a little bit younger. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, she's uh, she's crazy. She's very crazy. They're like, they're clearly in love. She cuts his face with a sharp ass fingernail. Yeah. And then starts drinking his face blood. And let's rant about that a little too, because he bleeds, and vampires shouldn't have blood moving through their veins. They're dead. So. They're undead though. But Does this affect things? I'm assuming their hearts don't beat. They don't. So he shouldn't be bleeding when she cuts him. And but yeah. She, as soon as uh, Spike sees Drusilla, he changes his face back to normal from his vamp face. And he's dreamy. Yeah. He, that's what, I actually thought that too. I didn't write it down, but I was like, man, more attractive than I remember. 
much better special effects than season one with the transformation. And Drusilla says, look at all the people. Are these nice people? Because she's got kind of a Cockney accent. It's like a... But she also, yeah, everything she says is so, like, off in her old world. And her accent is one of the ones that's actually worse than James Marsters, but it fits her even more so than James Marsters' spike yeah, accent. I don't think anyone's ever complained about Drusilla's Nobody's accent. ever been like, that sounds like a real accent. Like, it's obviously not, but it's she's it's perfect. She's... Both their accents are just perfect for the characters. And actually, in the auditions for Spike, as legend goes, uh, everybody was doing different accents, and James Marsters did a southern one originally in his audition and then went for an english one imagine that like a, a cowboy spike yeah instead of a punk one that'd be weird but yeah drusilla's crazy but she can sense power she <laughs> senses that the anointed one has power and goes up to him and asks him do you like daisies <laughs> and then she's cold so spike gives her his coat and then the scratching and the bleeding and the making out and it's just or do you think the other vampires are like uncomfortable with all this like, they don't even know these people. And like, dude, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, they're probably like, who the hell are these guys? But when they start making out, do you think they're just awkwardly, like, third wheel? Like, I don't want to be here. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> do you think vampires still feel that way? Yeah. But uh, yeah, Spike says, me and Drew were moving in. And they have this weird, like, intense relationship you get the feeling. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they're a power couple. But then... Uh, Buffy and her mom are talking about parent-teacher night, which Buffy somehow forgot to tell Joyce about. Well, and there's a funny transition there, too, because Spike says, you know, how about this Slayer? Is she tough? And then we cut to Buffy, not tough, combing her hair. Yeah, and talking about... Got a nod in there. Yeah, talking about how life is hard with her mom. Yeah. So Buffy's mom, yeah, starts talking about parent-teacher night, which Buffy forgot to tell her about for the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what and, do you really learn from a test score anyway? <laughs> Whether or not you ever go out with your friends again. <laughs> what a great... You know, this scene could be... Like, scenes like this, I think, are the reason why lots of people are anti-Joyce. I think she's being, like, a stern but fair mom. But as a show where you're like, man, Buffy just needs to fight the damn vampires, get out of her way, I can see... I can see it. I don't agree with it necessarily, but I can see why people, you know... Yeah, but I totally get where she's coming from. Of you know, course. They're like, where, you know, we, we already had to move schools, move cities because of you. And she's like, you don't want to do that again. She's like, I just don't want to be disappointed in you again. She but said, you know, you know, also, deep down inside, she doesn't want to do it again either. And Bobby says, you know, just got a lot of pressure on me. And wait till you get a job. I have a job. She opens her drawer of Slayer stuff. And who does the fancy engraving on her holy water jars? Because that's impressive. Did she hire somebody, or did she find it like that? Also, I liked in that scene, Buffy and her mom had, like, matching, almost matching, like, flower pajamas. Oh, <laughs> I bet that was Joyce's idea. <laughs> well, they're, like, different styles, but they both had flowers. It's kind of cute. Um, and so then we cut to uh, Buffy and Willow and Xander preparing for the big uh, parent-teacher thing, painting a sign. Yeah, Sheila didn't show, so Willow and Xander had to come help. Which is so bro-like. I mean, you don't see them like saying, like, oh, do you want to help? Or Buffy asking if they want to help out or them offering. But I feel like it was just an unspoken thing. 
yeah. where you know Buff they were just walking and talking together. Buffy sits down and starts painting, so they just join in. <laughs> Will's got another Scooby Doo shirt on. <laughs> Which is great. And so they're talking about whether they should study or go to the bronze. Well, Buffy asks Willow to help her study, but Willow actually plants the seed. I thought we were going to go to the bronze in case Angel's there and meet some other nice girl. So Xander's like, yeah, studying comes first. And so Buffy's we're going to the bronze. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, Giles and Jenny show up. They're kind of bickering. Bickering a little bit. But they're already just like on each other's arm. Like they go everywhere together. And Jenny calculated that this Saturday is the night of St. Vigius, which is accurate. But how – this is something that I never really thought about till I rewatched the series. How could it be an imprecise calculation? You know, like I don't understand these prophecies. Is it like, oh, there's a red moon on the third Tuesday, then sunny skies, that's when night St. Vigius – like how do these prophecies make it unclear what day it is? It doesn't make any sense. But uh, Jenny, actually, which we didn't point out in the past, but I was listening to an old episode of Slayerettes. There's my plug. Go listen to them. And they actually pointed something out that we had missed. Jenny Callender, the actress, uh, Robbie Lamort, is only a year older than Nicholas Brendan, who plays Xander. That's so weird. She plays his teacher, but she's only a year older than him. Not even quite a year, I don't think. Just a little bit older. That's so bizarre. She doesn't look... I mean, it's suspension disbelief. We can believe that Xander's a high school student, and then that changes everything. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's strange. And then they talk about it, the Knight of Saint Vigius is named after the leader of basically a, the the vampire version of the Crusades. And yeah. Giles is berating Buffy for letting life get in the way of slaying, which he's talking about like school. She's like, "Hey, I'm about to get expelled." You can't let life get in the way of slaying. She's like, I'm about to get expelled. Yeah, I wrote that Giles was being very Merrick right there. Um, there's actually a cut line in this scene where Bobby's like, I don't suppose suppose this is about squirrels. Giles is like, vampire. And she's like, that was my next guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Giles says, you are the slave. And then you see Snyder watching. <laughs> slave to the television, all of you. <laughs> Jenny agrees and they quickly leave. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many weird, funny saves in the show. And so uh, Snyder shows up and starts blaming them all for helping Buffy and Sheila's presence. And they said, oh, no, we're hindering. And <laughs> I feel an expulsion coming on because Sheila's not around. But Buffy is actually pretty great save. When yeah, she went knows. to go get paint. And then Sheila shows up and says, oh, didn't they have any in the art room? Uh, oh, I know yeah. you want everything to be perfect and... Yeah, and Sheila, like, Buffy's being a bro to Sheila, which she doesn't deserve, because her, man. But Sheila looks like she's stoned out of her mind. I think she is. She comes in with sunglasses on. Kind of, like, shaky, takes them off, like, hey, whoa. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, thanks for covering. That guy's a serious rodent, which, yeah, you got a point. He does look like a rodent of some sort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does look most like <laughs> I'd say rat-like. I'd like Sheila. Get your life together. Yeah, yeah. You, you're gonna. I mean, like you're. You're. <laughs> you're just so upset you can't form a sentence. <laughs> I'm just Sheila. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. <laughs> so Buffy at the Bronze is trying to combine uh, her school life and her social life. 
<laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. They're studying French at the bronze. Yeah, which, hey, best of both worlds. I guess. That's how you do it. So Buffy says something in French, which I recognize as, the cow must touch me on Thursday. And then Willow pointed out that she just said, the cow should touch me from Thursday. So I was close. <laughs> and uh, Xander decides to rope them into a dance because they've been studying for all of 12 minutes. So what band is this? Nickel. They're called Nickel. And they're not bad as far as bronze band goes. I was going to say that. I, I was jamming. They're not bad. Yeah, I kind of like them. But Spike is at the bronze, creeping on Buffy. The drummer, meanwhile, drums like his wrists are broken. <laughs> he's like he, he's like a almost like a traditional jazz style of drumming. It looks like his arms are broken and he's flailing them. One of the band members looked a lot like Xander and it caught me off guard. <laughs> but uh so yeah spike sends one of his uh his minions i guess or rather one of the anointed ones minions out into the alley big ugly is what he's nicknamed and then he says a brilliant line if someone you know, call the cops there's a big ugly guy outside you know biting someone what a, what a brilliant plan <laughs> he gets a vampire to bite a girl bite a girl <laughs> It's a vampire to bite a girl, and then he loudly announces it in Buffy's vicinity. Bite a girl. And so Buffy goes outside to fight the little minion. He's a slayer, slay. And so she has Willow take the girl to safety, and has Xander go grab the stake. <laughs> yeah. So Xander <laughs> rushes inside, grabs Buffy's purse, pulls out a yo-yo. Yeah, a yo-yo. A yo-yo. I was wondering what a, that was. A tampon which horrifies him. Like, I just think of this Whose Line Is It Anyway sketch where Colin Mockery finds this green stuff and is like, hey, Colin, what is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. that, that's what Xander does with the tampon. And in the script, it actually says that he drops the tampon disgustedly like it's a hot tampon. But he, lots of fans are really upset. Or not fans, but people have commented that you know, the script says that he's super grossed out by it. In the show, he's not as grossed out. I'm like, why complain about that? Why is such a minor looks... script adaptation to screen? Like, he looks grossed out enough. I don't think he looks grossed out. He looks horrified. Like, ah. Once like, he I realizes, don't know what to do with that. <laughs> once he realizes what it is, he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> so, and so he grabs a stake and runs, which made me laugh. Moral of the story is fans will complain about the weirdest thing. Alexander's reaction to tampons. Right. It's not as good as the script. <laughs> Shame on you, Nicholas. So, uh, Buffy is beating up the vamp, and the vamp cries for help for, from Spike. Who's just watching, like, observing. <laughs> and then Buffy stakes the vamp, and Spike comes out of the shadows clapping. Yeah, that's a vamp death count of one. Xander just, like, tossed her the stake, and she just caught it without looking. And yeah, speaking of, I want to I want to point this out because uh, Turbo Rad dude of the Turbo Rad show on YouTube, he pointed out that we say like dusted a lot, like dusted a vamp. And at no point do we ever explain what that means. So I just want to set the record straight here that we mean like a you know Stake of a feather duster and like cleaning <laughs> cleaning them off. No, dusting a vampire, we probably should have explained our terminology, or dusting a vamp even more so. Vamp, obviously short for vampire. Dusting is when you drive a stake into a vampire's heart so they turn to dust. Yeah. So. Or the, according to the comic I reviewed this week, 
ash. <laughs> but uh, Spike comes out and Aubrey says, who are you? And he says, you'll find out Saturday. What happens Saturday? I kill you. And then he walks away. And that's so like confident and badass. I forgot he was this cool, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was gonna make. I thought she was gonna make a joke about like, yeah, I already died. I don't know. She's still a little messed up on it. I think. Yeah, yeah she's not quite over that yet. <laughs> but uh, Sheila's hitting on two bad boys named Dwayne and Dell. Real bad boy names. <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna guess Dell's one of the tattoos. But are you blind, you idiot? They both have tattoos. <laughs> but uh, she's talking about how Cadillacs turn her on and yeah as she does they disappear one by one just is gone she like looks over oh he's not there looks over oh he's gone too <laughs> she turns around and spikes there and he's just being uh he's being like a sexy cool badass and he's just totally she's totally into his bad boy vibe and he's like who are you who do you want me to be and then talks about how they had to go to sleep and then leads her away. And then we see the two bodies laying in the gutter. Poor Dell and Dwayne. Yeah, him. Human death counted two. Poor guys. Not really. So back at the lib, uh, Giles does not... the lib? The library. (laughs) All right, carry on. (laughs) Giles uh, does not recognize Spike from, you know, what Buffy's telling him. It's an unorthodox yep. name. And then they joke, maybe he's reform, which is, ooh, religion jokes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Angel walks in on the meeting, just out of nowhere, because he does that. Well, I like how, yeah. Well, Willow says we can't run. That'd be wrong. Can we hide? <laughs> and like, well, he can't be worse than any other creature you faced. And then you hear Angel's voice, oh, he's worse, because once he starts something, he doesn't stop till everyone's dead. And cameraman really needs to learn to focus his camera in this scene. Because every time Angel's on the camera, you're like, oh, nice clear shot. Every time Buffy, you're like, blurry, what the... <laughs> yeah, I actually did notice that. And so Buffy's like, hey, we are at the Broad. You, know, you said you might show. And she's like, oh, you said that you might be going to the Broad. She's like, you've been dating for 200 years and you don't know what it means. So it says they might go. And Willow's... <laughs> Her very astute observation... That if he goes on two years of two dates a year for two hundred years, that he has had four hundred dates, four hundred girls, then immediately starts uh backpedaling. Why do you think <laughs> they call it a mace? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they try to actually get something useful out of Angel, but he's gone. Yep. So like, hey, since you're here giving us information, why don't you you know, tell us something that's important, and then he's just gone. And Sandra says, I'm going to put a collar with a little bell on him. <laughs> <laughs> so, meanwhile, Drusilla's playing with creepy dolls. It's, it's just a shot of, like, a creepy lair. There's a TV there, and then you just see a bunch of creepy dolls, and you immediately think, yeah, this is where Drusilla lives. Yeah, it's yeah. blind. they're blinded and gagged. Some of them are blinded, some of them gagged. And she calls one Miss Edith. Yeah, and she's just playing with them. Miss Edith spoke out of turn, and oh, God, she's creepy. It's awesome. Like, that's just so eerie. And then they reveal, Spike shoves up, and he reveals that they came here from Prague so Drusilla could heal after they got attacked by a crazy mob. We don't really know much else about it. Yeah, we're at Prague. Prague is in the, uh, the Czech Republic. Oh. 
And so then he's trying to get her to eat something, and she's not hungry, and then they go and... He lays down right next to her, but he lays right on a doll. Right on a doll. How is Drusilla okay with that? She probably would have punished the doll if she noticed. <laughs> and then they're being cute, and I don't even remember what they're talking about. Just talking about how they should eat. Drusilla says something crazy about... I think sometimes that all my hair will fall out and I'll be bald. <laughs> yeah, with, when Drusilla talks, I kind of like, it's like, yeah, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so I, but uh, she's crazy, but wonderful. Like, I love her. Love her character. No, she's great. And Juliet does a great job of being creepy. That's actually why they got her to play, because uh, Armin Shimmerman, who plays Principal Snyder, uh, actually plays Andrew Ryan in the Bioshock games. And so when they needed, they wanted someone to voice the little sisters, the creepy little girls, but they didn't want to actually get a little girl to do it because it's kind of dark. He's like, I know the perfect person. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's the story of how Juliet Landau plays the little sister in Bioshock. Yeah. And so, yeah, Spike says, just eat something and grabs Sheila, who he has chained up. And gives her to Drusilla as a meal. Poor Sheila. She has her whole life ahead of her. <laughs> Not really. And then as she's like, I don't know, she's like, you see Miss Edith, if you're good, you can watch with the rest. And then she vamp faces. Yeah. And her prosthetics are way improved from Darla's, I noticed. Like, it looks natural on her face. Yeah. And so um, then we cut to the library where they are making steaks and cooking food for the buffet. Yeah, Cordy's even helping. I didn't notice Cordy was there until she started being Cordy. Like, she... <laughs> Xander's like, does anyone remember Saturday night being day night? She's like, you sure don't. And, <laughs> and she said, if this guy's as bad as you said, the fight will be over quickly. We don't need to make this many snakes. Which, wow. <laughs> Ever blunt. Said, We're all rooting for you, Buffy, but you had to even be there, but I have... A leg wax. Yeah, Cordy, she feels like she, she's part of the gang now. She's, like, kind of their friend, just the mean friend that no one likes. <laughs> she's, like, their their business friend. She's there when it comes to slaying. And I don't know why. I don't know why she agrees to just show up and make steaks with them. Well, I guess she wants to, be a part, she wants to help. But it's weird to think that they actually have to sit down and make steaks sometimes, because it's not something they've ever had to deal with at this till this point. Yeah. And so, you know, Buffy's rushing about... Uh, she has to prepare because it's Thursday. She forgot punch. Xander and Cordelia are about to eat pepper rings for some reason. Yeah, it really, really bothered me a lot. <laughs> and then she says, no. I, I hope they weren't too heartbroken. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they were just pepper rings. <laughs> yeah, just straight uncooked peppers, not even in dip. Just cut into like what? That was weird. It really bugged me. <laughs> and so, uh, Buffy is out at the buffet. <laughs> you enjoyed that too much. Buffet, the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> but she's make she made some lemonade, which <laughs> almost kills Willow. Because <laughs> she didn't put in any sugar. She didn't know you were supposed to put in sugar. <laughs> and Willow doesn't correct her she's like oh good <laughs> nummy <laughs> and joy shows up but a uh, willow quickly ushers her away at buffy's request because she hasn't wanted to meet snyder at all yeah so she has to go show her the library which she realizes where they're making steaks so she has to show her every other classroom 
Starting with the French. Snyder shows up, and uh, Buffy's, for no reason, I was thinking about it, and I couldn't figure out why, she spills lemonade on him. And I couldn't figure out what the purpose of the plot it was. I thought, like, would it be like, oh, now you got to change your suit. Better go find, like, some... But she doesn't say that. So yeah, I don't I know don't... why she spilled lemonade on him. But maybe just to show that he doesn't like her and she keeps messing it up. But she tells Snyder that her mom doesn't speak a word of English. Yeah. And then uh, Cordy shows up <laughs> saying, hey, we're making all your weapons in there. Even slaves make minimum wage, which is not true. <laughs> no, it's not. And also, she starts just insulting Buffy's skin. <laughs> yeah, she's just making fun of her complexion. For also, no... another reason that I couldn't figure out why that was written in here. And she's just talking about, like, Buffy's like, hey, I have to balance three lives here. You know, it's like water, oil, and something else that doesn't mix. And she's like... I can see the oil. <laughs> I think that's the only reason I was thrown in there is for that joke. And then she sees Buffy's mom. She's like, now there's a woman that knows how to moisturize. And just skip a generation. See, why, why is this entire scene about Buffy's skin? Yeah, if we broke down the scene, it's about Cordelia insulting Buffy's skin and complimenting Joyce's skin. From the back. She sees her from the back. And she compliments her skin. Like, it's just weird. But then Joyce finally is introduced to Snyder, unfortunately. And uh, he says, we need to talk. My office is down here. Which, Which, damn, damn. I was really upset. I was like, no, you, Buffy, you did fine. Don't beat yourself up. And then Cordy says, you know, like, oh, by the time they're done, you'll, you know, you'll probably be ungrounded by the 10th high school reunion. So Willow says, Cordy, <laughs> have some lemonade. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Which, she's the only one that knows that that's a joke. Because Buffy doesn't even realize it's a bad lemonade. Yeah. So in the library, they find out that uh, Spike is William the Bloody. He got his nickname from apparently torturing victims with railroad spikes, which is dark. And he's, he's Charles says he's barely two hundred, younger than Angel, but that's still like pretty old. Like most vampires, don't live that long yeah that's still like i don't know they're like oh he's just a baby and like spike and angel are both like more or less like legendary vamps you know under different names and stuff so yeah i don't know so like you just think people that live that long have achieved some fame but yeah he treats them like he's he's nothing but then he reads oh he's fought two slayers in the last century and killed them both yeah that's messed up. It's, and we don't know if there's other vampires that have killed Slayers. I assume there has been. Otherwise, there wouldn't still be dead Slayers. But... <laughs> I think there is, like, a... Somewhere, I seem to recall, maybe a, in the Watcher's Handbook, a list of just, like, Slayers and their deaths. Yeah. And I don't think it's all of them, but, like, one, like, died immediately upon being turned into the Slayer and stuff like that. Like, it's interesting... Yeah. He's fought two sides, he's killed them both. And then we go to Joyce, who comes out of the meeting, actually in, in the car now. Yeah, she's not so happy. God and damn, no. What no. did Snyder say? Yeah. Well, you did, did such a good job, Buffy, at this event, and you've been trying so hard. You died for the school and for the. <laughs> <laughs> did he say, like, that she burned down a building again? 
Actually, that's probably exactly what he said. Yeah, it probably because is. Because that's probably, I, I would see out of anything, that's the thing that would make Joyce angry because she's like, I thought things were different. Um, and then Snyder starts turning off the lights, which is weird because parents are still there. Yeah. And the night seems to have just begun. Yeah, and the vampires break out the damn windows again. Again, there's poor windows. <laughs> and yeah, Spike says, you know, what can I say? I couldn't wait. Yeah, because he said Saturday and it's Thursday. Which is... For our, view, for our listeners that can't count, that's uh, three days away. <laughs> but that's... He, wow, he was impatient. Isn't, like, on the Saturday, aren't vampires supposed to be, like, stronger or something like that? Yeah. Same bitches. Wouldn't the better bet be just to wait until Saturday? (laughs) Spike's not that kind of guy. And so then we got a big fight of everyone fighting everything. Yeah, Buffy's trying to lead parents away. Pauses a chair at Spike. Yeah. She's trying to lead parents away. Cordelia and Willow run the complete wrong way of everyone else. And uh, Willow has to take a vampire out with with a bust when it's trying to get Cordelia. And then they hide in a utility closet. And so, uh, yes, Buffy is leading all the adults to safety in the science classroom because it's the only classroom. Yeah, the school's being infiltrated with terror or with vampires, die hard. <laughs> Sandra, Giles, and Jenny are uh, in the library. Yeah, and Willow and Cordy are in their utility closet. And Spike uh, is about to kill the house to family feud, <laughs> but the vampires can't find Buffy anywhere. So he says. I'm a veal kind of guy, and you're too old to eat. And then just, boom, snaps his neck. Twist to clean around. Says, but not to kill. And I was like, Jesus. Like, caught me off guard. It's a human death count of three. That poor parent. The poor kid. <laughs> and so, then, yeah, Xander is sent out to go get Angel. I'm not sure why, because he knows how to stop him, maybe? Yeah, he, he knows, knows him. And in, the other, and in that room, Jenny's dress in this lighting and this angle looks like it's covered in pot leaves. <laughs> it's not you can see from other angles it's like white with black patterns on it and stuff but just I don't know I was like whoa I guess she did have fun at Burning Man <laughs> and so um, meanwhile Jenny and Snyder or rather Joyce and Snyder lots of adults in this episode are usually did you see their faces and he's like yeah they're a gang on PCP <laughs> yeah I laughed <laughs> that's what PCP does to your face folks <laughs> But uh, Buffy tells Snyder not to leave, and he's like, "Who do you think you are?" And the one who knows how to stop them. Yeah, and he's just bo- she's just bossing him around. So she uh, she climbs into Marcy Ross's flute cave. Yeah, she just goes up through the air ducts. Who's Marcy Ross? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but uh, Spike in the hallway is yelling empty threats. Yeah, he's just like Slayer, come out and play. He does. And... He doesn't actually make a warrior reference, does he? No, but I, I, when he said Slayer, I thought he was going <laughs> to. He's about to kick open the utility closet with Cordy and Willow in it, but the other vampire calls out to him last second because they hear creaking. That's it. And, uh, someone's in the sea. <laughs> I love that. He just sings. Never see the master singing. It's because he's dead. And I remember the first time I saw this scene, this is where I decided that I love Spike. Like I was when he started singing. I was like, he's awesome. Yeah, he's already just... Streets ahead of the master. <laughs> and so, um, Giles in the library decides he's going to go out and help uh, when Buffy 
breaks in through the vent. Uh, yeah, right in front of him. Like, how many ceiling tiles does this girl have to break? A lot. <laughs> but uh, she makes Giles promise that he'll save her mom if she doesn't make it out alive. Which is and the only reason, I guess, she infiltrated this room. And he's like, damn right. No, all her weapons are in there. Okay. That's right. That is right. But uh, then she climbs back up. And she says, I'm going to take them on one-on-one. And uh, meanwhile, Snyder's saying, this is my school, and I say what goes, and this is not happening. And Joyce <laughs> has a very buffy moment. And she's like, well, I guess the danger's over then. Yeah. And he says, I'm beginning to see a mother-daughter in relationship, which to him is a sick burn. But to <laughs> me, I'm like, that's a good thing. And then, well, he says that because... Because he's been parent, talking about how bad Buffy is. A parent and Snyder decide to try breaking out a window. And she's like, no, stay here. Didn't you hear what Buffy said? And he's like, uh, you know, he's just... Uh, then, yeah. So yeah. They're, they're helping break out. Later, a vampire's trying to figure out how to get out the axe. And Spike says, use your head. And smashes his head into it. They use the axe. Yeah, Spike <laughs> acquires one axe. That parent is... Uh, Pulled out through the window and yeah. killed. And that's a human death count of four. And like told you, asshat. Like, so Joyce immediately goes to try and close up the window that they were trying to open. Like, it's listen to what yeah. you're told. Him and Snyder just let's go. Yeah. And uh, so Xander and uh, Angel, find, I wrote Xander and Willow. Xander and Angel find the dead parent outside. And then Angel instantly just grabs Xander by the throat. Like, he just... Bamps out. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, Willow and Cordy are just chilling in the closet, praying. Yeah, what are we going to do? Pray. And uh, the vampires, meanwhile, have started to grab pokers. And they're stabbing holes in the ceiling. Yeah, they're just, like, jabbing up in the vents where Buffy Damn is. boy. And also... The scenes where Buffy was filmed, you can see the pokers come up in front of her, and then when they go out, you can see little holes of light. So did they actually film this in, like, a ceiling area, or how did they do that? I think, I don't know. <laughs> they probably... Suspended it somehow, they must have. Or the, they could have had lights underneath. But either well, way, I guess they have to poke, they have to poke holes up. Yeah, I don't know. So after taking out... Uh, well, she falls through the vent, falls down. Right as the road to get into the room, she falls down and stakes a vamp, which is vamp death count to two, which is and, half the human death count so far. <laughs> yeah, and she takes out the vamps, trying to get to the classroom. And then she runs into Sheila and says, oh, you know, scary stuff's going on. Sheila picks up the axe, and they're going to go kill some vamps together. Yeah. And so the, she's like, this should be fun, and grabs an axe, and... So Xander returns to the school with Angel, who is apparently evil again. Yeah, Spike recognizes him immediately as Angelus. It's kind of cool that they're old friends. I like that. I like that. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know. Like, How's yeah, it going? I haven't seen you forever. Buddy, buddy. Um, Angel says that he plays the wounded, like the tortured soul, so that Buffy lets him feed. And he's like, oh, they still fall for the old Anne Rice routine. Yeah, and uh, Xander's upset because he knew, he's like, I knew you were lying all along. But uh, Angel offers Spike a bite. A Zandy. A nibble. Behind Buffy, though, Sheila is a vampire. Oh, that's Which, another human death. Human death count five because she got sired. And so then someone says, Buffy, look out. Someone? 
was writing notes. <laughs> so Buffy tries to... She tries to chop off a vampire's head and then stakes him before he even realizes that, that she missed. Pretty quick. Like, he likes ducks, and then he looks down, and there's a stake there, and he dusts. So that's a vamp death count of three, and Sheila escapes because shit just got too hot for her. Yeah. I didn't know I could die if I was a vampire. <laughs> and then Buffy frees the parents. Yeah. Meanwhile, Angel and Spike are bickering over Buffy. Because gonna, Spike's like, well, like, why didn't you kill her? Why are you afraid of her? And Angel's like, I'm not, guy. <laughs> they're going to drink Xander. But he's like, yeah, let's drink to it. And then they go to bite him and Spike, boom, punches Angel out. You, you think, think you I'm can stupid? fool me? You think I'm stupid? Think you can fool me? Stuff like that. Which is um, super badass because he always knows, like, what's up. Yeah. And then he, uh, yeah, they, they are forced to, forced to flee. They run away as... Spike is calling Angel his sire and Yoda and and an Uncle Tom. Yeah, is... so that's quite racist. But yeah. um, <laughs> si- obviously Yoda, Star Wars reference, and uh, yeah, Angel is Spike's sire. Angel bit Spike, turned him into a vamp. Not necessarily. Sire is in the line. Okay, somewhere on the line, Angel sired Spike indirectly or directly. We don't know at this point. Yeah, and um, so then Buffy and Spike finally meet in the hall. Everyone's fighting. Yeah, Spike smells her. He's like, fee fi fo fum which is a Jack and the Beanstalk reference if you're one of those few people that have never heard of Jack and the Beanstalk. So Buffy says, do we need to really, or do we really need weapons for this? Spike's great response, I just like him. Make me feel all manly. <laughs> <laughs> he like strokes his chest. But he drops it, and Buffy drops her axe, which, you know, Buffy, you need a weapon. Spike doesn't need a weapon. You need one. Yeah, you literally cannot kill him with that one. Look, this is the last slayer I killed. She begged for her life. You don't strike me as the begging kind, which, fair. That's fair. And then, yeah, he's going he's gonna to kill Buff. He apologizes yeah. for messing up her doilies and stuff, but he just got so bored. <laughs> and then... Yeah, they fight. And then Joyce just, boom! <laughs> yeah. Out of nowhere with an axe. <laughs> and, like, Spike's stunt, stunt double doesn't look a thing like him. The hair's too yellow, too long, it just looks weird. I feel like it's a bad-looking stunt double. Because you get some pretty clear, good faces, shots of his face. And, yeah, Giles is trying to protect Joyce, Xander's fighting a vamp, so much is going on at once, and then, boom, an axe to the back of the head as Spike is about to stake Buffy with a piece of wood. <laughs> says you get the hell away from my daughter just super badass and then yeah, nobody hurts my little girl and spike escapes this is woman and he runs off and then later police are scoping out the schoolyard i got a body inside and a body on the line snyder says i told him not to go through the window which makes me so mad <laughs> giles and jenny are being cute um yeah i said i'd understand if you started avoiding me and they link arms and walk away, but like that's their second date. Pretty rad. <laughs> uh, Xander and Angel are talking. You know what's the sire, and they also talk about uh, <laughs> what's, what's with the biting me. I had to see if he bought it. I couldn't make the first move. Yeah, but what if he bit me? Will we know he bought it? <laughs> I it was, Angel has a soul, but still doesn't care at all about Xander's safety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like a 
just a fun little rivalry. And so Snyder is telling the cops uh, to say that the trouble was caused by a gang on PCP. And that she was like, are people really going to believe that? And he's like, what would you rather have the truth? Which is a great scene. Because it shows that the both Snyder and the school and like the, the police force know more than they let on. Yeah, they know what's up, but they're like, yeah, we're not going to tell the public this. And the public probably knows, too. It's just the thing that Sunnydale sweeps under the rug. Yeah. It's like dairy and it. Everybody knows there's something wrong with it. Just nobody talks about it. And, like, if they know that these are vampires, well, how much do they know? Do they know that there's a slayer? If so, why is he on Buffy's ass all the time? Um, but maybe, yeah, Buffy's- actually, maybe he's trying to get her expelled so she can focus on her slaying duties. Yeah, he's just a bro. That's him. That's that's the Snyder I know. Putting <laughs> Buffy's responsibilities first. So Buffy's mom is super proud of Buffy, and she doesn't care what Snyder says. She's glad that she's a daughter that can take care of herself. Yeah. And <laughs> how long till this wears off and you go back to nagging on me? Well, a week and a half at least. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating though because she says like Principal Snyder said you're a troublemaker, but I don't care because you're brave and resourceful and think of others, but. It's frustrating still because her mom still sees her as Sheila. She's just like, I don't care that you're Sheila. But she's not. Like She hangs out with Willow and Xander and Angel, not Dwayne and Dell and Meat Pie. Like she's <laughs> completely different crowd. She's like, I don't care who you hang out with. She hangs out with the good kids. Like you just don't understand. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Cordelia and Willow are still in the closet. Cordelia's praying. <laughs> it's a great scene. She's like, I'll never be mean again unless they really deserve it, or unless it's that time of the month, in which case I don't think you or anybody else can stop me. And then Willow's like, ask for some aspirins. Add some aspirin. Hey! <laughs> I love how earlier Xander said he wouldn't go to get Angel until he knows that Buffy and Wiggle, Willow are safe. Buffy and Wiggle? Buffy and Wiggle were safe. And Wiggle is still here in the closet, praying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Spike's recuperating and disappointed that he failed, but Drusilla's comforting him. He has a great line, a slayer with family and friends, that sure as hell wasn't in the brochure. Yeah, and so then the anointed one, or as Spike calls him, the annoying one, which is excellent, uh, Madagascar, is that Spike attacked too early. And so he goes and he, you know, I offer penance and... I was the, rash. If I had to vamp, do it all over again. <laughs> the vamp with the really high up eyes says, Penance, you should lay down your life. And he says, you know, I was rash. You know, I attacked early. If I could do it all over again, I would do it exactly the same, except I'd do this. And he throws the anointed one into a cage and just raises him up into the light. With a chain. Like, from now on here, we're going to have a little less ritual and a little more fun around here. <laughs> and, Amen. <laughs> And that's a vamp death count of four, though I feel like he's more of an other because we never see him vamp out. He's killed by sunlight, so he's got to be a vamp. Yeah, I think they just didn't want to do the prosthetics on a kid. Yeah. Have him sit still through that. And then Drusilla and Spike after he's dead. And I don't remember Spike knocking up the other vampire, but he's unconscious. (laughs) Yeah. I saw him laying there and I was like, what? Like, what did you do? I didn't see. I don't remember that. Maybe he was, didn't. I wasn't. Yeah, he I was, was zoned out. Trying to stop Spike from putting the little boy in the cage. And he's like, let's see what's on TV. <laughs> yeah, so but oh. Really, really marks the difference in villains of seasons. I think that right there sums up Spike and Drew as big bads. That line, from now on, we're going to have a little less ritual and a little more fun around here. Yeah, they killed him off not only to mark a new era, but. 
you know, like just to show how different they are. I'm so sick of seeing a kid's face. And yeah, and the show killed him off, as I mentioned, because he grew too much. And vampires don't age, so it wasn't believable. So they had to have him sitting down or shot from low angles, so he didn't look so old. But he shot; he grew like a weed in between seasons. Um, but he never actually served any purpose at all. Yeah, no, he sure didn't. They built him up to be like uh, he's powerful. Ooh. Yeah, uh, the way Turbo Rad dude from Turbo Rad Show described it. He said it almost felt like they were setting him up to be this big, bad, like, vampire T-Rex that, like, goes and destroys the world, and then he ended up being absolutely nothing. Yeah. But his death's actually very similar to one from Interview with the Vampire, I would assume even inspired by. But here's a fun question. What Isn't that fun- Anne Rice? Yeah, it is. Fitting. <laughs> so here's a fun question. What the hell happened to Sheila? She's a vampire now. Did she just leave? Because, <laughs> sorry to spoil it, but you don't see her ever again. So, maybe what, she was expelled. What was the point of even having her in this episode? At all. She served absolutely no purpose. At all. She Let's, let's recap her arc. She was a bad kid. Some sociopathic tendencies. Stab teachers. Her, she screws Buffy over by uh, not participating. Buffy covers for her. Later, she tries to hook up some dudes. Spike kills them, takes her. Drusilla sires her. She goes to fight Buffy, gets scared, and leaves. So she never actually accomplished anything over the course of the episode. And there was no point of her even being written in. I wonder why Drusilla sired her, honestly. Because one thing that they touch upon, I don't think they've touched upon it yet, really. What they do later is that, like, the older vamps, and Drusilla we don't know yet, but she's older than Spike. Older vamps are much more cautious with who they sire, especially, like, well-known older vamps. You know, the ones that are just on the, they're a few years old or they're just on the streets for a week, they go around, they sire whoever, they think it's cool, it's my legacy. But, yeah, older vamps are really picky about who they sire. And so the fact that they just sired this random girl... Maybe it's because she's weak and crazy. Yeah. I guess you can't really rationalize Drusilla's thoughts. But yeah, it just bugs me. But also, this episode, Sean Clement and Sean Murray, the Seans, actually did the music. It wasn't Christoph Beck this time, which is why it's not memorable. (laughs) (laughs) There's two cut lines. Spike says, would it kill you? A little mouthwash every couple hundred years? I'm not sure who that's to. Probably Angel. And Xander said, the important thing in punch is the ratio of vodka to schnapps. I was obviously far too sophisticated to joke for this crowd. (laughs) It was a pretty good episode. Very good for showing that everything's changed. This is a new era of villains, a new era of the show. We're done with season one. We tried it out for a couple episodes and it wasn't working. It felt like I understand the getting rid of the master's bones, but honestly... What I would have done is, you know, cut out the whole Master's Bones arc entirely. Um, and just, we don't need, we don't need sub-assembly required. And we definitely didn't need it there. So just, bam, School Hearts should have been the first episode of the season, I think. I think, like, a, like an immediate out with the old and with the new, as far as villains are concerned, yeah. would have 
been much better instead of like making us think, oh, we're going to have this little kid for a few episodes. Which... I think they were just testing the waters up till this point, seeing if people still wanted that. No one wanted that. But I think it's time for our steak ratings, Clairvoyant. So what would you say? This episode uh, it introduces an iconic fan favorite. Uh, a yeah, couple my, of them. Yeah, my, my 20 questions television little thing knows who Spike is. So... Uh, you know, I, I can't, you know, it, it's, a lot of people listening, we haven't made it up to be that big of a deal, but Spike is the breakaway character of the show. Everyone loved him as a villain in this season, and he's the, when the show really started catching fire, and a lot of people attribute that to him. People really like this character, and this is his introduction, as well as Drusilla's, who's really cool and really creepy. Um, you know, as a whole, the episode, it holds up on its own, but just the fact that we're completely done with the Master and the Order of Aurelius, and that we got Spike and Drew, I think this is a, a solid 3.5. Yeah, and I'd say, yeah, it's a good episode for showing how everything's changed, and, you know, I think, yeah, Spike and Angel are both on the list of best vampires in fiction, high up on the list, I think, like, in the top three, both of them, and... They're just both very popular vampires. Uh, so they really, yeah, I'd say are probably a big part of the reason the show improved in popularity because season one, generic. Season two, unconventional entirely with their villains. And I think it was a very smart way to go that way, to turn it on its head. So yeah, I agree entirely. Not the most fantastic episode ever, but iconic, very important episode so I gave it 3.5 as well. And we have a final death count of five humans, four vampires. And final death count of one season. Get it? No. Whedonverse podcast rating, 3.5 out of five stakes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 4, Inca Mummy Girl. Written by Matt Keane and Joe Rankemeyer. Directed by Ellen S. Pressman. Original air date, October 6th, 1997. Part 2, everybody. Welcome back. Inca Mummy Girl. Yeah. Are you excited, Clairvoyant? I I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, so we were supposed to have a guest this week. They were supposed to be on the last episode. They had to postpone, and they were supposed to be on this episode. 
but they had to postpone. It's just been a rough week over there. But they will show up later down the season. Uh, they just had to postpone for now. Not the same guest as last week. We're just having bad luck with guests. Yeah, we intend to kill them. Well, here, here's some starting off thoughts to uh, chew on. This episode was written by Matt Keen and Joe Rankemeyer, which you may recognize they're only written one other episode. It's called The Pack. Yay. Uh, and this is their second and last chance <laughs> to write. They never wrote an episode after this. Very similar, uh, suspiciously, to the crew that wrote I, Robot, Eugene. That's not suspicious. So you you admit they're in the same vein of episodes. No, they're great. And these guys aren't. But uh, in Germany... This is also written by Joss Whedon, though. Story. Story. In Germany, this episode's called The Secret of the Mummy. <laughs> Which is excellent. Sounds like a B-movie. Sounds like an Indiana Jones movie. But it's obviously about a mummy girl. And this episode was actually inspired by the real-life Mamiya Juanita, which was found a few years before, like two years, I think, before this episode was written, which was a real-life, like, mummified, creepy girl. So, uh, Mr. Universe, I have a, I have some bad news to bring to you before we start this episode. Uh-oh. I have, uh, I have let a grave secret slip. Grave? Grave. <laughs> In the last segment, uh, earlier, I think it was sometime last week, we recorded the first half of this episode where we did uh, School Hard. Mm-hmm. And in it, I mentioned this week's Clairvoyance comics, where I mentioned them talking about ash instead of dust. That is actually last week's Clairvoyance comics. So you have to apologize. Which was written but not recorded yet. And so I mistook it for this week's, which there isn't one this week. So now the whole world knows that our episodes are not recorded in sequence all at once. Art is a lie and nothing is real. Yeah, everything's recording in a jumbled order and we piece it together where we need it. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, you messed up. You're fired. <laughs> Off the podcast. But uh, this episode starts off with an in every generation Giles speech, as as most do, and we kick and off the episode. Most, I'd say so far, I think four or three out of four this right? season. Yeah, but that's this season. Okay, that's three out of what seventeen altogether, sixteen. I think that's bad math, but three out of sixteen. But we kick off the episode with Buffy complaining about how something we don't know what is the uh, Uber suck. And we find out there's some sort of student exchange and some sort of student exchange dance where a complete stranger will be living in Buffy's house for two weeks. I think her, she said her mom signed up for it. Yeah. And uh, Xander thinks it's cool. Uh, but Buffy says, have you ever done an exchange program? And Xander's great reply, my dad tried to sell me to some Armenians once. <laughs> <laughs> and Willow's, though, just excited for the dance. She's excited especially for her costume. And... The gang walks up the steps to the museum because the zoo, the museum, these writers just really like generic field trips. I was just going to say that. I didn't even notice that it was the same writer as uh, as the pack, but I'm like, ooh, an episode with a field trip. This isn't going to be good. <laughs> and uh, inside, Cordelia is looking at pictures of exchange students, the ones that they're getting, uh, and she got Sven, who's a Swedish reindeer. <laughs> no. Um, and I like how Buffy asks her what she's looking at, and she answers, like, honestly, not even meanly, like, completely just, like, they're buds, even though her friends are there. Yeah, what's going on, Cordy? 
And uh, she asks how Buffy's exchange student is, and they're they're making casual conversation. All Buffy knows is that it's a guy, which wigs out Xander. Yeah, Xander suddenly completely changes his mind at this. He's like, oh, you know, <laughs> staying in your room? Yeah, so... I think his line originally is, by guy like, you mean a big, like, muscly guy like girl, right? <laughs> he says he better keep his parts to himself. And they notice some weird guy, Rodney Munson, doing something. I don't really, I don't really know what. Xander calls him God's gift to the bell curve. <laughs> yeah, and he says what he lacks for in smarts, he makes up for with lack of smarts. And the dude, like, growls at oh. The kid walks up and he growls at him. This episode's already to the pack for my liking. <laughs> and Willow's like, you just don't like him because that one time he beat you up for five years. <laughs> yeah, I'm irrational that way. So Buffy says she's going to stop him doing whatever the hell it is he's doing. Uh, it's like scraping like a mask, a wooden mask or something with a knife. I don't really know what he's I doing. I think he's like, like, I don't know, that looks like it's like gold dust. So maybe he's scraping it off because he can to, try and sell it. I don't to know. To collect the gold shavings? Yeah. Willow says that she'll go and stop uh, Mr. Rodney because... Nonviolence is better. Which Buffy's upset because she doesn't always use violence. Does she? <laughs> uh, the guy is surprisingly nice to Willow, though. He didn't even growl when she walked up. Yeah. Well, he, he was like kind of like snarly, and then he actually sees her. That's Willow, and then he stops. He's dressed like he belongs on Jersey Shore. <laughs> Not the podcast. Plug. There you go. <laughs> There's a podcast called Jersey Sure uh, on HHW LOD. It's really good. It's a New Jersey based pop culture podcast. A lot of fun. Anyway, this guy's got a tracksuit. He's got a chain necklace, slick back hair. So not that kind of Jersey. And he's got all 14 chemistry natural elements memorized. Willis says there are 103 and there are more than 103 now. Yeah, the 90s. Oh, such a simple time. <laughs> we didn't have to remember as many elements. <laughs> uh, the students are heading to the Incan burial chamber with one of those like lame museum sticks, stick museum, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one of those things where the museums pretend it's like a, in a like a whole oh, struggling here. The human sacrifice is about to begin there. Yeah. All you gotta do is say it. So, one of those. And they're learning about the human sacrifice. There's a gross, mummified teenage girl, which I'm going to count as a human death of one. Why? Because the poor girl died. That's She's dead. <laughs> I guess. What about the skeleton in the lab classroom? That was plastic. Also, I'm thinking of counting every piece of furniture or food that's eaten as another death count. Just because of the animals that had to die for that. No, but I'm counting this one. Because in the past, if we know somebody died off screen, we count it. I don't know if it really counts because it was how many years ago. But I'm counting it. So, pretty good though. Pretty good prosthetic. Kind of gross. Yeah, it looks real. It... I don't know if it's prosthetics on an actor or if it's a prop. But either way, they did a really good job, whatever team was working on it. And she's holding this big circular seal that's cursing her into this mummified body, which, like, why curse her? She was a sacrifice. That's pretty bad on its own. Why curse her 
after she's dead, like, what does she do? <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not nice. <laughs> the seal, I don't know if you noticed, the seal looks like it's a dinner plate with stuff painted on the, the curved side. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be like a plate of some sort, yeah. And, uh... Meanwhile, Cordelia and the gang are laughing about their exchange students, her gang, not our gang. And so Buffy reveals that she knows more than hers is just a boy. She's a little liar. She knows his name is <laughs> and he's coming tomorrow. <laughs> That's, that feels vaguely racist. His name's Ampata. <laughs> and uh, we get a weird close-up of the mummy like it heard through its little ear nubs. <laughs> and after everyone leaves, the situation is sneaking up on the mummy... And he tries to steal the seal for whatever reason. And one thing that really bugs me, it clearly pries loose after the first tug. Like, the the prop hands fall away. But he's still, like, pretending to tug like it's stuck there. Can't get it. <laughs> like, is it, like, glued? The little ball of the plate is glued to her stomach or something? Why do bad kids do bad things like why does he need to steal this seal he's see this is only the bad kids in these writers episodes <laughs> the like, kids from the pack like and this like they were like indiscriminately bullying like they're just like they were like jeff ross like they stand there they roast people as they walk by <laughs> like i this guy this steals <laughs> indiscriminately i think matt and joe just really have some repressed feelings against bullies. I think they have a very simplistic worldview. <laughs> <laughs> that too. I wonder which one really does most of the work. I, I, I would love to get into their minds and see who writes which parts. Like how they write these episodes together. Like maybe does they, one dictate it and the other one writes it down? <laughs> maybe they do it Cabin in the Woods style. And they just each write a page, toss it back and forth, and like, ooh, yeah, this is looking good. Maybe. But uh, he... Pulls the plate extra hard, though he didn't have to, and it smashes into three big pieces. And the creepy-ass mummy opens its creepy-ass empty eye sockets and strangles him. Which, I don't know how they did that. It wasn't bad looking. It wasn't like bad special effects, whatever it was. Oh, it looked pretty good. Creep me up. Yeah. And then the theme song. Just like that. And Angel's in the theme song, but he's not in this episode. Nope, it's one the first and only episode since he becomes a main dude that he's not in. Interesting. There's also no vampires at all in this episode, because if he was in it, there would be a vampire. Yeah, but, which means there's no Spike, which we just met him and he was cool. Yeah, so this is one of the eight episodes in the entire series. I think it's like the fourth one, because there was a lot last season, uh, that has no vampires. They really had to push the idea of them being on a hellmouth and anything could happen. So, mm-hmm. so after the theme song, Buffy's training with Giles and asking if she can go to the dance as so she does so. Giles is against it. And uh, she has a great line, blah, blah, bitty, blah, I'm so stuffy, give me a scone. <laughs> Which he responds to, it's as if you know me. <laughs> uh, Xander's cringing every time she kicks Giles' like, training pad. Which, that's fair. She's getting pretty into it. Yeah. And he corrects that Empata is not living with Buffy. Could be living in the same house as Buffy. <laughs> he says, am I the only one who's objective enough to make that distinction? And she's about to kick Giles again, super hard. So he caves and lets her go. <laughs> and 
Meanwhile, Buffy and Xander are talking about Willow, saying that, you know, haven't you ever thought of her that way? Xander's like, well, she's my best friend, so not the kind of girl that I think of her lips. And, of course, Willow's overhearing, because this season's all about the heartbreak so far. (laughs) And she's dressed like Fireball Mario. She's got like I guess she is, yeah. White overalls and like a red shirt underneath. <laughs> so Willow shows up pretending that she didn't hear, though if they would have, you know, tilted their head like ten degrees to the side, they would have caught her in her peripherals. Yeah. But she's upset, or worried rather, that Rodney got into trouble at the museum because he didn't come home and no one's seen him since. Not on the bus, not on the way home, so yeah, Xander's like, police are looking for Rodney Munson. That's a phrase we'll get used to. <laughs> and Xander jokes that maybe he awakened the mummy and well, and it rose from its tomb. And Buffy's like, and it attacked him. And then they realize that they're probably not joking. <laughs> yeah. So they sneak back to the museum. And Willow has a great line. Maybe he just <laughs> snuck out for a smoke <laughs> for 21 hours. It's addictive. <laughs> <laughs> At the museum, they find that the seal that's supposed to bind the mummy is broken. But it's a very much different break from before, if you pay attention. So I don't know if they had a lot of prop seals, like a painter that painted a bunch of them. I think they did, yeah. But it's definitely broken way differently. Um, The mummy is still there, though, comfy as ever. They're about to inspect the seal closer, but uh, Billy Black gets out of his wheelchair and runs with a saber after them and attacks them. What? I apologize to all our listeners. That was a Twilight reference. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. What the guy that plays the that dude, the random like Arabian Knight with the saber, uh, is Jacob's dad on Twilight. If you've seen those movies, that's the only thing I think he's even known for. Interesting. Uh, but he's attacking him with a saber. Before they can fight him off, he decides to run away. No reason. Xander's like, I just saved us, right? <laughs> and Willow notices that the mummy is different because it has braces. And that's a human death count of two because we're counting the mummy. Which, I don't think Rodney had braces. But they did reveal Rodney had braces. Did he have braces? He did. I'm um, supposed to assume this is Rodney. I didn't look at his teeth. I don't know. I would assume he has grills. <laughs> <laughs> But was this museum closed right now? Because if not, why are they there? What's going on? Did they not wonder about this night guy, this this attacker? He was the security. <laughs> but when Jaws is talking about the tribe to the group, he pronounces Sabinkaya way different than the museum curator did earlier. So someone's wrong here. My money's on Giles. <laughs> but fun fact, Sabinkaya and Impata are both just Peruvian volcano names. So way to go, writers. You bought an encyclopedia again. <laughs> and Bobby has to go pick up Impata, speaking of. Uh, but maybe he can translate the seal. So that's making use of your resources. At the bus stop, Impata Gutierrez, Gutierrez <laughs> is waiting, but he hears a hyena calling his name. <laughs> And uh, the creepy mummy comes out of nowhere and just mummifies him with the wrinkly kiss of death. Which is also good special effects. Creepy, though. I think that one, I think at that point... It's a person? It's a person. Yeah, I think at first it was a prop, and at this point it's a... 
it's a uh, it's prosthetic, but it's really good prosthetics. But also, it's like short. It's really short. So I'm wondering if it's like a mix between the two, and they're trying to like, I don't know what they're trying. Maybe I'd love to see how they did it. But uh, that's a human death count of three. As they're heading there, Xander admits he doesn't know any Spanish besides Doritos and Chihuahua. <laughs> and Pata shows up, and it's a lady. And I caramba, Xander can also say that. I noticed that she's wearing the same outfit as the male, the real Impata, but the button-up shirt is tied all Southern Belle style. Like, he was wearing one, and she's like has it tied around the waist kind of thing. And she must have found a tailor since, uh, since they arrived because the pants suddenly fit her perfectly. <laughs> all I gotta say is, like, the actress of Impata hasn't been in, like, anything else. Not really, no. But she's a cutie. She's, got, she's a Latin beauty. She's made a steady career with roles, but she hasn't really done much anything noticeable things. Yeah, like I'd say this is one of the most well-known things she's ever done. Yeah. So Buffy and the gang take her on a tour of Buffy's house, and Willow has a great Solomonta. You're a girl, and great comeback. Yes, for many years now. Which sharp as a knife. <laughs> <laughs> so she has toured America, she reveals. She hasn't seen much. Xander's being a little bit racist with his like slow talking and like descriptive way of doing things as if she doesn't speak English. Yeah, as if he's like talking to a child, like, where did you go? <laughs> but they're still regardless, they're hitting it off pretty well. They're like arm in arm. And she said that she's been to Boston, Atlanta, New York, London, Paris, even Tokyo. <laughs> Don't no. No. What? <laughs> but at night, later, Impata's weirded out by how comfy the mattress is. She bounces on her little. And Buffy asks her what it's like back home, and she's cramped and very dead. She doesn't have any friends. So are you catching on yet, listeners? I love how Xander says her English is very bueno, muy good. <laughs> uh, Buffy turns off her light, and... Uh, Little Billy Black is outside creeping. Just like the weird jungle beats in the pack, this episode's got, like, weird, like, <laughs> like flute stings. <laughs> I didn't notice that, actually. It bugs me a lot. But uh, later, at school, Cordelia's talking to Devin, who's the lead singer of a band. That guy is a talented dude. Yeah, the actor, Jason Hall, is actually a writer now, and he was Oscar-nominated this year for uh, American Sniper. But yeah, Cordelia says she'll be at the edge of the stage after his show. She said she, she'd be at the dance, but not one of his little doe-eyed groupies, uh, looking up from the edge of the stage. And he said, got it. And she said, we'll still see you afterwards. Where do you want to meet? Oh, I'll be standing at the edge of the stage. <laughs> She's not too happy with Sven, though, her exchange reindeer, because he's just standing there staring. Creepy. I love Cordelia. She, she's, she's hating her exchange student, Sven. Uh, she says, he doesn't even speak American. <laughs> um... Devin looks like a greaser. Yeah, he looks like he's out of, like, out of grease. He does. Uh, after this exchange with Cordelia, afterwards, by the way, they kiss each other on the cheeks, and then she walks away. I don't know why. And uh, afterwards, Devin goes to his bandmate Oz to ask what he thinks of Cordy. And let's do a little intro on Oz, because he's a big player. Yeah, he's a player. Seth Green. Seth Green. Now, everybody knows Seth Green. I'd say... I would say that he became the most successful out of everybody that's been on this show. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, you've seen him on the Austin Powers movies. You've seen him... I mean, he's... Robot he's Chicken, on, Family Guy, like he's... He's on yeah. It. He was on the Buffy movie as a vampire. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's short. He's he's pretty raw because he's in high school, but he still has a beard. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, I didn't think about that. He's got like a little mustache, like a little, I don't know what to call it. But it's like a mustache and then a little chin bit, like a Robin Hood. Is that what you call it? <laughs> I call it like a dip. <laughs> That's fair. But he's not too impressed by Cordelia because he's pretty chillaxed and not, you know, not for that kind of stuff. And Devin asks, you know, what would it take for a girl to impress you? And he says, feather boa and the theme to a summer place. <laughs> Which is a 1959 movie, if you didn't know. Um, even though he's lead guitar... Like, they mentioned he's lead guitar and that you should get all the babes. He's not. He doesn't give off the feeling that he's like a girl chaser. He seems pretty reserved in that aspect. Yeah, in all seems, aspects, really. Yeah, really, like, stoic, chill, laid back. Um... Meanwhile, Willow's really excited about her costume for the party again. So she was extra excited because they said it twice. They're building it up. But Xander's worried that he'll look dumb because he doesn't know what to go as. And he's distracted because Buffy and Pata are coming to school. And in the Libby, Buffy introduces, and not induces, (laughs) induces Giles to Pata. He's got the best introduction ever, too. It's like... How do you do? I was wondering if you could translate this. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, like, he's so socially awkward. He doesn't know how to, like, properly introduce, like, it's cuts right to the chase, but not he didn't, because he's direct, but just because he's awkward. He didn't have enough, like, <laughs> But, and Pod is actually horrified by the seal and wonders why they're asking her. Because um, you're Incan? <laughs> yeah. Obvious answer. And Giles says, well, they're trying to translate it as a project for their... And uh, they save was by saying it's an archaeology club. And Xander... And Giles asks if she recognizes the hieroglyphic of a chappie with a knife as he's drinking tea, which, you know, you can't get more British than that. Yeah. <laughs> the chappie with a knife. And Pata thinks it means bodyguard. Which Giles could have figured that out if he really thought about it for a split second. Yeah. And he's These like, aren't hmm. difficult hieroglyphics. They're pretty cut and dry. <laughs> he's like, hmm, bodyguard. Interesting. It's like, no, that's pretty obvious. Uh, but Xander swindles Empata away so he can spend the rest of the day with her as they all study. Will is a little bit jealous, though, of the, the Zampata chemistry. Zampata. That's a good ship name. Ander. <laughs> but on the bleachers outside, Xander's teaching Ampy how to eat Twinkies. Now, I read that they did a lot of takes in this yeah, scene. Yeah, they did ten takes in this scene, which means they each had to eat ten Twinkies. Fantastic. Jealous. He gets paid. They both got paid to do that. He got paid to eat Twinkies. That's like... I was going to say it's like Woody Harrelson's dream, but I read that the actual Woody Harrelson is like a really strict diet and doesn't even eat Twinkies. <laughs> but Xander, teaching her how to do it, shoves the whole thing in his mouth, which is pretty much how I eat anything. Yeah. Now you can shove any food. It doesn't have to be phallic-shaped. Any food. <laughs> and, and you, no of- one pointed that out but you. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Bada says, you are strange. And Xander says, girls always tell me that before they run away. Or she says, I like it. And he responds, with a mouthful of Twinkie, by the way. I like you like it. And then, please don't learn from my English. Yeah. And got to call her out. Because Xander got the whole Twinkie in there. Maybe because she's a first timer. Yeah, she's not used to Twinkies. But she only got about two-thirds of it. But after... Or at the library, Willow's all glum, playing with a frog doll that, you know, I got to think, I was like, did the, because I don't know if the script specifies that she's playing with a doll or what, but that's not usually in the library. So I'm wondering if the prop team ran out and grabbed something that she could just play with, just out of their vaults. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> Willow says, after Impata leaves, he can find someone else who isn't me to obsess about. So it's clear that she's glum that he likes another girl that's not her. And she says, I have a choice. I can wait for Xander to go out with every other girl that isn't me, or I can move on. And Buffy says, good for you. And she Will- says, well, I didn't choose yet. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. And Giles finds from inspecting the seal under a microscope, which I don't know how that helps any because it's just hieroglyphics. They're not small. But after inspecting it, he finds that Rodney's killer must be the mummy. I guess uh, micro- microscopes yeah. have a built-in translation setting. It's a, he shows that mummies, which this is not in any mythology I'm aware of, but mummies kill by feeding off life forces of people and kind of freeze-drying them. Yeah, so they need to find the mummy, but they don't know who it is. And later at the bleachers, uh, the... I don't know what to call him. Hitman. The Hitman, because I don't want to keep calling him Billy Black. The Hitman is attacking them again, Blaming Xander for stealing the seal. And it looks painful to be doing these stunts on the bleachers, like rolling around, jumping like on your back from one to another. Like they're metal. They're metal bleachers. Xander knocks him out, lights him up, and he rolls down the bleachers away, and they're free. <laughs> Xander so, always saving the day when it comes to that guy. Yeah, he just really hates Xander. <laughs> and in the library later, Impata says that they have to destroy the seal. Because because it's dangerous. Wink, wink. And Xander is going to tell him part of the truth about Buffy and the gang, but... Which is a bad idea. Yeah. He's just too trusting. So they all give him dirty looks, and he lies and says that they're in the crime club. <laughs> uh, and Potter runs, up all, runs off all upset because they won't destroy the seal. And Xander runs after her. And, yeah... I don't know. She's just upset. You know? She just wants a normal life. And Willow comes out, suggests that Xander should take Empire to the dance alone, which, like, what a good friend, man. You're just happy to see him happy. She's friend-zoned. Well, but she's so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Back at the library, they're discussing the missing pieces... And they're going to meet at the museum after it closes, which means Buffy, even though Giles allowed her to go to the dance, has to cancel going to the dance, regretfully. And Buffy deserves it for making the joke, Mummy Dearest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she says, no, bad plan. I have other plans, dance plans. <laughs> looks at Giles, canceled plans. <laughs> so meanwhile, Xander asks him to do the dance, and she applauds him for being courageous, because he says it's scary. She doesn't know why it should be. But... 
nonetheless applauds him for being to courage and then tells him the secret that she likes him back which <laughs> immediately prompts his question you're not a praying mantis are you <laughs> which why re- why reference that episode man well the thing is she doesn't answer <laughs> <laughs> But she decided she has to go where he can't follow her to a little girl's room to freshen up or whatever girls do in the little girl's room. Gossip? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Billy Black don't care about no gender rules because he's right behind her. I don't know if you can read, to be honest. But he's behind her in the girl's lock, not locker room, girl's bathroom. And they discuss how, spoiler, shocker. She's the mummy. Yeah. She has she says, Don't kill me. And I don't think she realizes that she's dead. She's <laughs> Yeah. He reveals that, you know, she's dead. She's the mummy. She's been killing so she could stay alive. It's his job to bring her back to death. And he's got a sick scar. Like from like the top of his scalp to like the middle of his neck. Is that an actor thing or is that for the show? Does he actually have that? No. Then why did they do it? <laughs> to make him look cool. But Empata is in love with Xander, presumably. But he calls her the chosen one, which I've heard that before. Yeah. And then he's like, you have no choice. And she says, yes, I do. And then... He's about to kill her, but uh-oh. Kiss of death. She, she like breaks his arm and then kisses him. Human death count four. And she's apparently supernaturally strong. But, uh... She comes out of the bathroom and agrees to go to the dance with Andy. And at home, Buffy lends her some lipstick. Because that's what roomies do. Isn't that what you do with your roomie? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do I notice with Empata? And I don't know if it's a character decision or it's an an acting flub or whatever it is. But when Empata's alone with Buffy, her accent is a lot stronger than when she's alone with Xander. It could go either way. It might be a directing thing. Like, I was saying, like, at first I started thinking, like, oh, that, like, the scene with Xander and Ampata in the school before she makes out with the Peruvian guy in the bathroom, <laughs> that doesn't really explain what's going on in this episode before she kills yeah, We're doing a 10-second review. <laughs> before, the, before the mummy kills her bodyguard. <laughs> that scene, her accent is almost non-existent. And so I thought maybe, like, the more she, like, you know, feeds off people, the more she, you know, the younger she gets, the more modern she gets. You know, she's not, she's, the the more distanced she gets from being, you know, an Incan mummy. Well, I don't know if she's really draining that dude's modernness. He didn't look too modern to begin with. Yeah, but I, you know, just the more distanced from an Incan mummy. Speaking of, where did he come from? the bathroom <laughs> yeah, but like he's got all this traditional garb was does he just get summoned was he there in the museum the whole time hiding or does he just get summoned whenever that happens like mystically or is he does he legitimately just work at the museum he's just been checking it and scoping it out making sure nothing went wrong i don't know but yeah then the next scene was she's back with buffy in her room her accent is as strong as ever so that killed my theory Empata thanks Buffy for the lipstick. She says she's always thinking of others, which reminds her of an Inca prince, princess from long ago because self-centered. 
<laughs> and she starts. Bobby starts to unpack her clothes that uh, arrived from the station, but she's a bit sketchy about letting her unpack it, and rightfully so, because Buffy finds some boys' undies. So I was just thinking about it. The the bodyguard guy. Do you think he is a human? Like, do you think that's a human death count? Yeah, I do. I I think it is. Because, the you you made a good point with he's just. It seems like he was summoned when the seal was broken, and also he was able to instantly correctly identify who the mummy was. Maybe they hung out back in the day. Well, then he wouldn't be a human. Says who? She's a human. <laughs> He's saying he's doing the same thing? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, Ampada goes to open Buffy's sleigh drawer as she's telling the princess's story. But Buffy's vaguely aware of this one chosen girl business. Vaguely. You heard it before. A little bit. And uh, slams the drawer shut. The doorbell rings just in time, just as Buffy's about to unpack some of Ampada's more suspicious stuff. Uh, and as Buffy goes to check the doorbell, Impata locks it all up in a lockbox. Ooh. Which, the doorbell sounds suspiciously like a South American flute sting. <laughs> I don't think it's intentional. Well, I didn't hear any doorbell, and I didn't hear any knocking. I just heard a... <laughs> I was like, is that a ringtone? <laughs> but Xander's here, dressed as a cowboy. Dressed as... Clint Eastwood specifically from, or the man without a name from, the that spaghetti trilogy. And he says he's from the country of Lyon, which is in Italy, pretending to be Montana, which is an absolutely brilliant reference. Absolutely brilliant. It's a reference to the spaghetti western director Sergio Leone, who is Italian, but his movies are all like western, like they're from Montana. That's where the term spaghetti western came from. Yeah. But such a brilliant reference. I made me like I was just in. I was like, wow. That Xander was a knows, really good joke. Xander knows his film. He's even he's dressed up like the man without a name. Maybe that's why they keep playing that. <laughs> but but he makes fun of Buffy's overalls by asking if she's from the country of white trash, which she doesn't even fight back. She doesn't even argue. She doesn't get upset. She just like rolls with it. I think she's a like new lineup. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't even care. I'd be like, excuse you. So what if I'm wearing overalls? But Xander tells Buffy that Willow's going alone, going stag. Stagette. <laughs> I wonder if Xander ever makes fun of Willow's overalls. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't care. But Joyce sneaks out of the shadows and compliments Impata's outfit, which, why is she even in this episode? <laughs> Unnecessary and weird. Yeah, they paid her for this. I think it's because she was the one that wanted him potted there, and she hasn't even been present the whole time she's been there. <laughs> That's true. Also, it'd be kind of weird. Um, so many scenes at Buffy's house, and her mom just not there. Yeah. But as they leave, Xander tells Buffy to be careful, and she tells him he looks good. At the bronze, Dingo's Ate My Baby is playing, which, throwaway joke from the pilot episode, but it actually became a real thing. Yeah. And none of the members are actually playing or singing. Uh, the band that's actually playing is a band called Four Star Mary. But they are all way better lip syncing and like air guitaring than Sean Lennon is. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you look at them, like the guitar player, the bass player, looks like they're playing. The drummer is hitting the right beats at the right times. And the singer is 
lip-syncing pretty good, and he's got lots of stage presence. So, you know... See, I, I could have sworn that it was four-star Mary with... Jason Hummel? Yeah. I don't think so. I think it's just four-star Mary. But Cordelia shows up to the dance in a skimpy Hawaiian-inspired outfit and makes fun of Willow's super adorable Eskimo outfit, which she's been excited for all episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cute. And Oz, while he's playing guitar, I notice his black nail polish, which, why not? He's a badass. He can do whatever. Seth Green. And Xander and Apata show up to the dance, and <laughs> behind them is a pretty offensive Jewish stereotype dancing. But they're all, they're all kind of offensive stereotypes. Yeah, I bet most of the costumes here, I'd say... Probably all of them are pretty not cool. <laughs> Even Willow's is kind of... But it's too cute that I don't care. And, and Pata and Xander love her costume. Uh, Xander says she looks snug, which is not what she was going for. <laughs> and I like how... She's like, where's Buffy? But I like how she's like turning her whole body to look at things. Yeah, I was just going to say that she cannot turn her head and that she turns <laughs> completely Nick Fury style. Like, it's... It's funny because she loved the costume so much. She had so much fun making it. She was so proud of it. But she's so <laughs> restricted. She can't do anything. <laughs> Which, ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's like cosplaying at Comic-Con. <laughs> but at home, Buffy's home, Giles shows up. And they found the bodyguard mummified in the girl's bathroom. Which, I don't know how Giles found it, but he did. Because yeah. school is supposed to be over, man. And it's the girls' bathroom. <laughs> what does Giles do after hours? I guess we now know. But it was his job to make sure the mummy didn't escape. Not to protect her, make sure she didn't escape. And he, he f***ed it up. <laughs> and Buffy starts to piece things together, which, you know, after Giles came across all this evidence, I thought he would have too. Yeah. But Buffy starts to piece it together, and Giles like, you're probably right. Uh, <laughs> even after finding all the boys' clothes upstairs... He's like, this Why is so strange. Why this? would she pack this? What kind of girl travels with a mummified corpse and doesn't even pack lipstick? Great line. Very Buffy-esque. But back at the bronze, Oz being... you know, I noticed Oz being lead guitar isn't really a big deal considering he's the actually the only guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> so lead, I guess technically he's lead guitar, but he's also rhythm guitar and you know, only guitar. Xander asks Ampo to dance, and he smoothly pops out of his poncho like super quickly. It was really weird. It is like a hat poncho off. Yeah. Like he's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> he really practiced that. Knowing Xander, I bet he was like, I got this to look cool. And so he just practiced in his mirror. And then, yeah, they're dancing. Willow well, looks pretty sad. She just kind of stands alone. But them dancing is kind of cute. It's kind of like Cinderella-y. Like, I, don't, like, I don't get that vibe at all. It's, 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 I, well, I just always kind of felt bad for Ampata as far as... She's the the only villain so far that I've kind of like sympathized with, you know? Well, and she's not really a villain. Well, exactly. She like she's an antagonist, but I wouldn't say a villain. She's just so similar to Buffy in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. She just wants to be a normal girl, and so I felt for her. And this was kind of like you know, her Cinderella moment she never got to have. Yeah, and I kind of ship Xander and Empata a little bit, despite knowing what's up. Uh, yeah. 
So I think I, I ship things too easy. <laughs> <laughs> they just got to have like a spark of chemistry. And I'm like, yep, those guys. <laughs> we got to think of like a weird ship that nobody else will ever agree with. Giles and Snyder. Every time Giles and Snyder are on screen, we're going to point out the chemistry from now on. So Oz, in the middle of his set, in the middle of the set, leans over to Devin in like a wrong place, wrong time kind of moment. Yeah. And asks who that girl is. So Devin tells her that Empata is an exchange student from South America. He's like, no, the Eskimo. And ooh, I swooned immediately. I was like, uh. Uh, and he's just instantly like taken like he's just like staring and smiling it's adorable so I ship it already because I ship too easy and also because Seth Green's just so tiny man you could fit him in your pocket your Eskimo pocket (laughs) do Eskimos have pouches like kangaroos? (laughs) well obviously but Oz is actually based off of one of Joss's high school friends who was also very calm and very stoic was his name actually Daniel Osborne? Doubtful. But, well, maybe. I think it actually, I, I think I read something like it was. <laughs> but uh, on the dance floor, Xander and Potter are both about to kiss Lee's them lips. But uh, don't do it, Xander, because you'll become beef jerky. <laughs> Freeze dried. Uh, but before they even get to kiss, she starts to jerk herself and runs off. And jerk herself like become jerky. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Uh, Xander's a little bit bummed though. He thinks it was something he did, not said, because they didn't say anything. They just danced. And Epata sees little Jonathan sitting on a step. Remember him, little Jonathan? <laughs> and from the pilot, he had glasses before. Mm-hmm. So if you don't remember, Jonathan's played by Danny Strong. He's been in the background a lot. Uh, as just a kind of unnamed extra. But he's there. He's been around. He sees all. So in the car, Buffy's and Giles surmise that reassembling the seal will trap her again. Which is, you know... I don't think that's a hard and fast fact. It's like, a well, breaking the seal freed her, so reassembling's got to put it back. Like, that's not a fact. That's a guess. And Buffy calls Ampata Mummy Dearest again, so... oh, that's cute. Xander asks Willow, have you seen Ampata? And she shrugs. And, what was that? I shrugged. Well, next time you should say shrug and one's off, so she says sigh. <laughs> Meanwhile, a great scene where Sven is walking past complaining to one of Cordelia's friends about how he got stuck with the worst person in English. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, all the mean offensive stuff she's been saying, like, oh, punchy drinky and stuff like that when she's trying to make him do stuff. Which is a very Dracarys scene. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere Impata undoes Jonathan's sexy cowboy hat chin strap (laughs) and wow is it sexy and goes in to kiss him and he says your hands feel kind of rough and aren't you a Xander or do I look like I'm a Xander (laughs) not like that don't do that (laughs) she's about to smoochles him but boom Xander catches them in the act. Not really. He doesn't actually see anything. He's off screen. He's like, I'm Potter. Yeah. They hear him. Jonathan's like, that's my cue to leave. And pieces. And then Xander pops out. Missed it all. So that's good. Um, Potter pulls out some bullshit of how she doesn't deserve Xander. He's too good for her. And she's crying. Yeah. 
happy and sad tears according to her. And there's a really beautiful score here by Christoph Beck. Or, or well, it would be beautiful, but there's like tribal flutes and jungle beats, so it's not. <laughs> it's called Inca Mummy Girl, though. It is an actual piece that he composed. I he's like, I know why you can't tell me. It's because you'd have to kill me, which upsets her because he's right. <laughs> and there's a beautiful silhouetted shot of them in front of curtains, and then they start to kiss. Oh no, make out even. And it's Xander's first kiss, so that's... I don't know yeah. if it's ever, but it's first kiss on screen, at least. And it's weird, because it's like... It must take him longer to mummify than the other people, because... Maybe she can repress like, it a bit. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Also, he's bad taste in women. I mean, like, I'm not that, like, Miss French or Impata were unattractive, but neither were he. Strictly human. <laughs> and she wraps her old scaly around him and starts to mummify him, which maybe that's like the final touch. Maybe she's got to pull him in. And then she decides last second she can't, which probably because his eyes were open the whole time like a creep. <laughs> Weirdo. But Giles is trying to reassemble the thing back in the museum. He dropped Buffy off and he's trying to reassemble it. And he's surprisingly better at translating now. Because he knows where everything goes. Yeah. And Willow tries to... Back at the bottom, Willow's trying to take the the top of the cheese off of the Eiffel Tower of Cheese. She, like, takes it out. Yeah. <laughs> With her big Eskimo mitten, she knocks it over. And Buffy tries to tell her that... Or Buffy tells her that Impot is the mummy, which she's actually pretty pumped about. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, good. Xander! And... And they run off right when Oz tries to introduce himself with, who is that girl? Which is such like a memorable and sweet line. There's something about it. It give, it brings feelings into my body. Yeah, he's just, oh, he's so, he's so jazzed. He's so into this. That like, who is that girl is so like, I don't know, poignant. Mwah. Bruh. Like, I don't, something about the line really pulls a string. But... Boy, that was some kiss, Xander remarks when they find him. Which I guess, yeah, that'll do it. And they tell him that, or they decide that they'll tell, they'll fill him in on the way. They gotta, they gotta go find Giles because that's where she's headed. Because she's got like a sense; she can sense that they're sealing, doing the seal thing. Yeah, I don't know. That that doesn't make sense to me, but <laughs> so. Meanwhile, Giles got the seal all fixed except for one piece. It's broken in a different way. Again, by the way. He's got it all fixed except for one piece, and as he pops it in, and Potter comes out of nowhere, grabs it, and smashes it. We're like, no, damn it, no. <laughs> he just just had it, and then boom. Like, much smaller pieces. <laughs> she goes to kiss Giles, because she doesn't discriminate with age or anything like that. She's 500. Who is she to judge? <laughs> and Buffy pops on nowhere and says, I'll say one thing, you Inca mummies don't kiss and tell. Which, now that I think about, if Joss had the car, how'd they get there so fast? Now that I think about it, what's Impata's real name? Inca. Incan. <laughs> uh, Impata says, you lied, you're not a normal girl. And Buffy, well, you are. And they have a little bit of a fight. And I think they probably reused Cordelia's stunt double here, would be my guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Or gave her some work for once. 
But and Pata throws Giles and Buffy into the sarcophagus thing and starts to choke Willow out, who just showed up. Not in an Eskimo fit, because it probably got too warm or something. Actually, Giles just kind of like slid into the coffin. <laughs> yeah, and then they, she fights Buffy into it. But Xander stops her choking Willow says, if you're going to kiss anyone, it can be me. And Pata is like mostly mummy by this point, except for her face. <laughs> but uh, Xander stops her. But the plan actually backfires because she's not afraid to take his life instead. And last second, Buffy breaks free of her prison and pulls Ampata away. And <laughs> well, her most arm, of her. Most of her. Because, well, as Ampata's, like, leaning into Cassandra, she's getting older. And it's not, like, a CG thing. Like, it's just clever camera tricks Or every time you see her, she's a bit older. Uh, she's also getting shorter, which may be because she's skin shrinking, presumably. Or because it's a mummy dummy. <laughs> but pulls away most of her. Her arms are still stuck there. And Sand is immediately like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it looks pretty gross because it looks like lobster. Yeah. <laughs> like the part dangling out of the arms looks like lo- like the stuff. I don't know. And also, like, you know, you were, like, I mean, like, 20 minutes ago, all that's going through his head is like, are we going to go all the way? And now he's like, ah, oh, her, her zombified arms are touching me. <laughs> and uh, she shatters. She hits the ground, her body, and shatters as mummies are known to do. Uh, which is another death count of one. And they all solemnly walk away without cleaning up their mess. The museum is probably so f***ing they come in in the morning. Yeah, just broke our exhibit. Yeah, someone came and vandalized everything. Where does other mummy come from? What are they doing with the real Impata's mummy? Just keeping them in the trunk? Buffy shows her mom. Oh, by the way, Impata did show up. <laughs> Here he is. But How do they explain this to Buffy's mom? They just don't. She left. She went back early. Sick. Oh, we shattered her. <laughs> but who really defeated the villain here? Really? Time. Time did. Because nobody did anything. It just, she got older. They just had to wait it out. <laughs> Later at school, Xander jokes that he's the worst taste of women anywhere in the world, which you had claimed also. Uh, but uh, you, as I said, though, his taste in women isn't that bad. It's just that they never end up being human. Like, it's not like they're unattractive. Yeah. And Buffy says that Impata wasn't evil, at least not, you know, the whole time. And she kind of relates to her a bit. Like, when she heard the prophecy that she was going to die is how she f- feels about it. Xander says, well, you did the right thing, though. And she says, that's because I had you to bring me back. And then we get a... (laughs) And the episode ends. (laughs) So, this episode wasn't as bad as the pack or episodes like that, even though it had, like, similar themes to it. Yeah. There's actually two parts that were cut out, though. One, Impata says, Xander has a way of making the milk come out of my nose. And Buffy says, that's good. And another one, Buffy says, I'm not a big secret sharer. I like my secrets. They're secret. So, yeah, this episode, I wouldn't say that Matt and Joe, you know, <laughs> redeemed themselves. But I'd say, based on this, I wouldn't fire them from the show. But they were probably, like, never fully writers anyway. They probably just, you know, freelanced and sent in a few. Yeah, kids writing from home. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, and no Angel this episode, no Jenny this episode either. No Spike or Drusilla. 
I find that really weird immediately after we meet them. Yeah, but final death count. At the end here, we got human four, other one. Yeah, it's, it's not as bad as some of the bad episodes. It wasn't a great one. Uh, I th- It's one of the ones... Of one of the episodes that everyone remembers being bad, but then I, you know, I watched it. It wasn't actually that bad. I didn't necessarily remember it being bad. I just remembered it, and it did, you know, introduce Oz to us. So that's good. Uh, I think it's time for our stakes rating, clairvoyant. What would you say? Um, you go first. Okay. So I think it was a perfectly average episode. It wasn't the pack bad. It wasn't Angel good. Uh, you know, I think it was just right in the middle. You know, it wasn't. As bad as some assembly requires, so not quite a two. I give it a two point five. Perfect half. Yeah, I I watched it twice, and then I just like I even had to like I googled like what other people were were rating this because I'm like I can't really form an opinion on this, and I figured by that by the fact that I just could not make up my own mind about this episode that yeah it's a perfectly average episode there's absolutely nothing special about it you know it's it's not memorably awful and it introduces you know oz to us but it's just there really i don't know why it it stands out as an episode because there's nothing to make it stand out it's just there so i gave it a 2.5 as well that makes it three times this season where you've agreed three times out of four We've agreed on an episode rating. That's as many times as we agreed all of last season. We need to get like another host who's just an absolute asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but our episode rating for this one, we got perfect 2.5 out of 5 for Inca Mummy Girl. Weedenverse podcast rating 2.5 out of 5 stakes. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 5, Reptile Boy, and Episode 6, Halloween. wait until next week in the meantime check out your friend l on blogspot a perfect blog for all your pop culture needs you'll love it all programs productions characters music and stories discussed in this non-profit podcast belong to joss whedon and or their respective networks all music clips and discussion used is either original royalty free or released under creative commons designation cc by ncsa For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 